I wrote that years ago when um, I was doing a prison ministry, and it was so very depressing to go. I mean, it was, it was encouraging. It, was, it made me feel good, but it also, sometimes the stories that I heard were so, so hard to hear. And the little things that I was doing there, I wondered if, you know, they had any impact at all. And I was told by my mentor, who had created this program in the prison, she said, Melinda, we're planting seeds. It's not our job to do any of the rest of it. But if the seed never gets planted, nothing will grow. And so I take that to heart. You know, we want to see we're in a... In a um, a society that wants instant gratification. We want to see the results of our labor. And I tell you, in spirituality, you will, but not in the short term. You will see the results when you look back and go, wow, I'm a lot different than I used to be. How did I get here? Maybe it was all that work I was doing between now and then that seemed to be fruitless, that seemed to be not doing anything at all. The seed is planted, and in God's time... In God's business, it will grow. So that parable I read is one of my favorite parables. Well, all of these that I've shared are some of my favorite parables because I wouldn't be sharing if they weren't. <clears throat> but it goes on to say, after the parable itself, then Jesus um, took the 12 disciples and, uh, and at, uh, in a place where they went off alone, away from the crowd, and they asked him about the parables. And Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path. And by the way, the word means possibility. The farmer sows the word. Some people are seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Who is Satan? It's all in here, y'all. It's all in here. Nobody comes and takes your seed away. <laughs> Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown in good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 100 times what was sown. So, the obvious explanation of the parable. I'm not sure if Jesus gave that explanation or if that was the writer of this particular gospel of Mark, which gave the ex that gave the explanation. But it makes sense. You can sow seed all day, but if you don't sow it in a place where it's going to be able to grow, it's not going to grow. So is our job to sow seeds only in places where there's fertile soil? No, it's our job to be fertile soil so that when seeds are planted with us, we can grow from them when those seeds get planted, however they get planted. And that is, that's obvious. Um, and this is, this is not for just those who are preaching the word. This is for us. Remember that there is, there's, a, there's a meaning 
in the parable, in the story, and then there's a meaning that is metaphysical underneath that. So let's go through the parable a little by little. So the word meaning possibilities. And when you sow it on the path, you're sharing whatever it is that you're sharing, and it falls on deaf ears. Or you're hearing whatever it is you're hearing, but you're not hearing it. Which is why Jesus says over and over, ye who has ears to hear, let them hear. Because he understood that not everybody could hear it. That not everybody would be able to hear it. But I tell you, once the seed's planted, once you know, once you know something, it's really hard to unknow it. I mean, you can cover it over with a lot of things like thorns and <laughs> other things. But the seed, once you know it, it's there. So what if this seed is this precious idea of oneness? the seed that we've been sowing here, because it's such a concept, it's almost impossible to get our heads around. But I think that was Jesus' primary message is, y'all, it's all one. We're all one. No one's the enemy. No one's the enemy. We are all that. We're the farmer. We're the seed. We're the soil. We're the weeds. We're the birds that come and fly away with it. We're all of that. We're all of that. And I love that. So if this seed is this precious idea of oneness, of wholeness, have you heard the word of wholeness, that you're whole? Have you heard the word of worthiness, that you're worthy? What are you doing with it? Do you believe it? Do you let any bird that comes by fly away with it? Any light comment made by somebody unknowingly? Does it take your seed of worthiness, of wholeness, of holiness, of oneness? And so we, or, or the seed is God's provision, the idea that, that we are cared for. We are cared for. I love that. To care for someone means to make provision for them. You're, you're okay. I got your back is the message there. So if the seed is that God will provide, that the universe will provide, that everything I need to be okay is already here. It's already here. And we use words like come in or come up higher or listen. We use those words to take a concept that is very difficult to, to put into words. And so we use those words, but we can't just believe the words. Does that make sense? When I say come up higher, that doesn't mean you're down somewhere low. It means that we want to raise your consciousness to a place where you can see more clearly, where you can experience more fully the truth that's already there. You don't have to go get the truth. The seeds are already sown. The seeds are already sown. And so if you're flighty and you flit from one place to another and you never allow any seed to take root, then you will find yourself flying from one thing to another. This will make me feel good. No, this will. No, this will. Maybe if I lose some weight. Maybe if I get this job. Maybe if I can sing this song. Maybe whatever. When I find the right mate. When I find the right house. All those things. Just little messages that we allow to take our seed and just send us off in some weird direction. And we all do it. It's okay. It's not about doing it better. It's about understanding that it's all part of the whole. It's not about some of it's good and some of it's bad. It's all part of the whole. We do this. And we tend to do it more in our youth. And hopefully we develop some maturity and, 
and have a little bit more stick to you know, a little bit more, okay, yeah, it doesn't feel good right now, but maybe if I stick with it, it will yield some fruit. So, what is the seed that you plant? What is the seed that you plant? What is the seed that has been planted in you? What seed are you planting in yourself day by day? Because all of these thoughts that you plant in your mind, especially the ones that are repeated over and over again, will take root and grow into fruit. So, do you want the fruit of, I'm not good enough? Do you want the fruit of, I'll never be okay? Do you want the fruit of, there's not enough and there never will be enough? Do you want the fruit of, it's them? It's them. If it wasn't for them, I'd be fine. Because you can invite that fruit to flourish in you if you decide to. So be conscious of what seed you are planting, right? And don't, you don't have to be looking out all over the place for others. Oh, that, like that looks like a good seed. Or flying off to places. Because your seed is here. It is coming to you. God is putting it in front of your face. is putting it in your heart. So um, this is the beautiful, this is the beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's either sowing the seed or not sowing the seed. I believe that Jesus sowed all these seeds and what he kept saying is, look, through me, through my life, you can see what is possible. You can take one seed and it might yield 30 or 100 fold. And what we did as a culture was go, that sounds, that's too difficult. <laughs> that's too much. What if it doesn't come true? Then we don't have a religion whatsoever if we don't do that. So here's what we'll do. We'll say he could do it and only he. And so we will bow down and worship him. He came to be a window and we are worship, worshiping him as a statue or traditional Christianity is worshiping him as a statue. He said, look through me, look through my life. We're going to talk some more about that next week when we come to Palm Sunday and Good Friday, the week after that. So, the Word made flesh. The Word made flesh. Have you heard that? The Word made flesh. That means that we, we are fleshing out. At, we are human living expressions of love. Made flesh. Brought into human bodies. For, for real on this level and always for real on the eternal level because where did we come from? We came from eternity. We're taking these bodies for a short period of time and then we're going back into eternity. So we are the word. We are the word made flesh. We are that all possibility. We are that expression of love in the world. And we are the sowers as well as the receivers of the seed, right? The universe is sowing all the time. But then what we know is that everything we take in, we must give out again. And everything that we give out, we will receive, right? We're in, we live in this flow. We live in this circle. That's a, a law of the universe as rain to the river to the ocean returns to the sky. As I said in the song last week, it's a constant circle, so we're the sower or we're the sown, it doesn't really matter. But we get to decide which seeds we pay attention to. We get to decide whether and how much we're going to water and fertilize. We get to decide. 
Sometimes the seed falls on rock. When we've been hurt in life, raise your hand if you haven't been hurt in life. <laughs> right? We tend to turn to stone little by little if we don't watch ourselves very closely. And the beautiful thing about stone is it's really hard to crack it if someone else is trying to hurt it. And the really dangerous about stone is it's really hard to crack it if someone's trying to get in. If love is constantly beating at the stone and the crack is not there to let it in, as Rumi said, the wound is where the light gets in, or as Leonard Cohen so famously said, um, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And isn't that a beautiful thought? And don't we spend our lives trying to pretend the crack is not there, cover it up, fortify it, pour some cement on it? At least put several Band-Aids over it? Right? The crack is everything. The crack is that place where the light gets in. Like the blue iris or the weeds in a vacant lot. It doesn't... There's no good or bad. There's no better or worse. I love that. That poem makes me cry, as you saw. So if we have, the, if we have turned to rock, if we have made our soil rocky, then chances are when that word of God's provision, that word of I am worthy, that word of I am loved, that word of I am fine, just as I am, I don't need to change myself to be loved. When it hits the rock, it can bounce right off. Maybe for a minute, you know, like a bug hitting a rock, it smears some stuff on it. So maybe you get a moment of, I feel worthy today. But, you know, then the rains come and it's gone again. You laugh at my metaphors. Sorry. That's why Jesus did the parables and not me. <clears throat> so we wall up. When, we, when, we, when conflict comes, we wall up. And then when we wall up, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. See? Told you no one's going to love me. Told you I wasn't worthy. When we're, when we're going, eh, 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 hoping that someone will, against our will, come up behind us with a big hammer and crack us open and let love in that way. Someday my prince will come. Or my princess. Someday my queen will come. <laughs> and it doesn't work that way. you got to make the crack or the queen can't get in. And we have a tendency, too, to have these sort of selectively permeable cracks. Like, okay, I will let these three people in because I know for sure they haven't hurt me in the past. But all of these other people, no. And what does that do? Does it protect you? Yeah, it protects you from all the love and learning and growth and beauty that they have to share with you. And yes, it protects you from them messing up and hurting you. But guess what? It doesn't protect you from messing up and hurting others. Right? So the rocks don't work so well. And then there were those who were sown among the weeds and the thorns. So think about these seeds. I'm the soil. I'm throwing seeds in this place that I want to grow, and yet every moment I have a moment of silence, I look at my phone and play a game. Or every time there's a moment of silence, I find a book to read, I turn on the TV, 
I call somebody right away. Oh, I might have to be with myself. Let me find somebody else to be with. We do that. I do that. I do that. I do that. Gosh, as I was writing this sermon, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to try to go for a week without playing any games on my phone. No Scrabble, no, and just see if I can do it. Can I do it? Will I do it? Because that is time. When I say I don't have time, man, that is time, y'all. It takes time. I spend time on that. Is that what I want to spend my precious time on? Maybe sometimes, but I need to watch that. I need to watch how I distract myself from what is present right now. And I'm, you may notice, I don't know if you've noticed this, I've noticed it about myself, that when I'm just fine and something really stressful happens, I might pick up my phone and start a, start a Scrabble game against myself. Or I might be standing in front of the refrigerator, <laughs> even though I've just eaten, and with no idea that I'm actually hungry, but just, I'm stressed, how'd this refrigerator get in my hands? <laughs> I know how that happens. I'm learning to really watch that about myself, and I can see it, and that is not a delayed reaction. It is like, phone rings and bad news, Ooh, refrigerator doors open. So here's the deal. I, we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to be hurt. I read a quote, and I meant to bring it, and I didn't, um, by this beautiful young woman who said, um, the crack, I'm so glad to be cracked open as much as it hurts to be cracked open because that is when I'm most in touch with the beauty of life. And I've talked about this before in grief, and I'm grieving right now. I lost a couple people in the last little while, and one who was really important in my life and my daughter's life for many, many years. And uh, I'm going to, to uh, her memorial today, so I'm a little raw, I'm cracked open. But guess what? I'm not going to close up the crack so that I don't cry in front of you. If I cry, I cry. You'll have to deal with the, seeing the raccoon eyes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because what I know from all of the griefs that I have experienced in the past is that when I am most open, when I'm the most just cracked, is when I'm liable to see moments of beauty and joy that I would never see in my daily life because I'm too busy. Standing in front of the refrigerator, picking up the phone, taking care of my business. And so the crack is not something to be afraid of. And then when we get sowed among the weeds, that is where we just use, maybe we were cracked open, but we don't want to be cracked open. I think that's more me. I'm cracked open, but ooh, sometimes I just like, if we can have some weeds to cover that up, just give me something, just give me something to delay this for a while. Yeah, that's the weeds and the thorns. And here's the deal. We just need to pay attention. Once we've made the idea, made the decision to keep the crack open rather than immediately cementing it over, then we have to be diligent. We have to pay attention. And that's the whole expression of this parable, is pay attention. Pay attention to where the weeds are sown. Pay attention to what happens to them after they're sown. Pay attention. If it doesn't rain, then you need to water them. Pay attention. If the soil's not rich, you're going to need to give it food. And some of the richest food you're going to give it is manure. 
Would you even think of planting a rose without horse manure in it? No. And that's how life fertilizes us. That's how life fertilizes us. So, so if we don't get lost among the distractions, if we keep our heart at least cracked open or try to get rid of the stones, because sometimes we're open in one area and we're really closed in another. We have more than one stone, y'all. That's bad news, but also good news. So we have to pay attention. And then when we pay attention, when we stay open once we're cracked open, when we resist the distraction and allow ourselves to be in silence, knowing that we might have something occur to us in the silence that is hurtful or that challenges us, challenges us to grow or be different, when we allow ourselves to do that, then we are making good soil. And here's the deal. Once your soil is enriched and you're doing that on a daily basis, then any seed that comes along, if you want it to grow, you're not gonna have to give it as much attention. You're already ready. You're ready so a bird can't fly away with it. You've already taken it in. It doesn't hit a rock and bounce off. You are open. It doesn't get torn up by weeds and thorns. You are, with every daily practice in your life, plucking weeds and plucking thorns and maybe getting a little bloody while you do it. But to live a thornless, weedless life, well, it's never going to happen. But to live a life with a whole bunch less weeds and thorns, where at least the weeds and thorns of today are the only thing you have to deal with rather than the acres and hectares of weeds and thorns that are from your past. Think about that. Think about if you only have to deal with the soil that you have now and not with grandma's soil and daddy's soil and your sibling's soil and all the hurt that was sown in all of that. What if you have been so diligently plucking out your weeds, taking a look at them going, yeah, nope, don't need that. Or occasionally taking a look at them and going, you know what? That's going to flower. And whether you call it a weed or not, I'm holding out for the flower. I'm holding out for the flower. Y'all, most of the flowers of my life are weeds that got planted at some point and that I paid enough attention to to welcome them in and wait for the beauty to come from them. So good soil means we're ready to receive. We're ready to receive. And when we're ready to receive, when we've done the work, when we've paid attention we find that there's a place for these things to take hold. We fertilize, we cultivate, we give energy to. They grow. And they grow, and we grow in all areas of our life. In all areas. So, sow your seed, feed your soil, pay attention, and then let go of the result. That's the really hard part. Because attachment, attachment is what we, oh, I gotta have that. I, I need this guy. I need this job. I need this. Well, you know what? If it's yours, it will come to you. 
And if it's not yours, the sooner you let it go, the sooner what is yours will become apparent to you. And I've shared some of my story with that, even just finding this job. Like, I graduated from seminary. When I started seminary, three different churches were looking at me as a minister. When I graduated from seminary and said, here I am, they all went, yeah, no. <laughs> and so for a year, a year after I graduated, well, I got a, I got a temporary job. I was associate minister for, um, for a church that was so far away that it was not practical for me to stay in that job. But I took it because I knew I needed more on the ground training. And I'm glad I took it. And it was hard. And it got over. And then for a year after that, more than a year after that, I was like, okay, God, if I'm not supposed to be a, a congregational minister, you need to let me know. Because that's still what it feels like. If I'm not supposed to do it, let me know what I am supposed to do. And I listened. And I listened every day. And I went, I'm not getting any messages that say do anything different from what you're doing. Keep working. And I worked in that year. I worked on myself. I worked on my pain. I worked on the pain of rejection. Who wants that? The pain of rejection. Here's my spiritual self all cracked open and beautiful. We don't want that. <laughs> Got somebody else we're going to go with. Thank you very much. And if I decided to personalize that, that could be horribly painful. I knew not to personalize it, which made it only quite painful. Okay? Because that's the way life works. Because that's the way life works. But I listened, and I listened, and I listened. And I went, when it's time for me to do something besides what I'm doing, I trust you to let me know because I am paying attention if I said, if there's something else I'm supposed to do, but I'm busy playing this game, I might not have heard the call. And the call came in a very interesting way, not one that I could have made. Not one that I could have made. I'll tell you about it some other time if you don't know the story, but here I am. Here I am. And once I showed up, oh, thank you. Once I showed up, I saw the roots in all these different places that here, here's, the, here's the plant that's growing, but first it had to root over here and it rooted over here and it rooted over here. And some of those roots were over 50 years old. My husband grew up in Reverend Kay's kitchen, hanging out with her son. Who knew? That's just one of the many coincidences. So you don't know until you pay attention. And so here's what I have to say about attachment. Or better, here's what Jesus had to say about attachment. As you're, you know, it's hard not to attach, but guess what? You are going to lose everything. Every person, unless they use, lose you first, you lose them. Every person in your life, every job you ever had, you are going to not be working again at some point. Every friendship is going to end through death or through some other means. There is nothing in this life that is permanent, and our pain is directly related to the way we attach to it, which is why Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Treasures on earth where moths and vermin, vermin destroy them and where thieves break in and steal 
but store up your treasures in heaven where there are no moths and no vermin and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, so your heart will be also. So that's part of taking a look at the weeds in my life and going, is this a treasure or is this an attachment to something that doesn't actually serve me? And we're human. We get to attach. You couldn't be married if you didn't attach because every little, I mean, every little thing would make you, I'm done. (laughs) That seed fell on the path and this bird's out of here. So we do have attachments, but we have to learn to hold our attachments lightly. Store your treasure in heaven for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. And heaven, the way I was taught when I was a child is that means go ahead and be miserable your whole life here because when you die and go to heaven, it's going to be awesome. There's going to be streets of gold. And I remember thinking as a child, would you drive on them any different if they were gold than if they were asphalt? <laughs> what does streets of gold do for me? I don't care about streets of gold. That was people trying to envision what heaven is like using only their earthly knowledge of what was good. That's why Jesus kept going, you don't get it. You don't get it. The treasure is something else completely. The treasure is something that can never be taken from you. The treasure is your oneness. The treasure is your personal growth. The treasure is your actual relationship with everyone else that's a part of this oneness, not with their bodies or their lives in particulars, but with them, individualized and as part of the whole. Those are the things we cannot lose, that we cannot, we cannot lose. Jesus went on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The translation we read when I, that I read as a child said mammon, and it, it worked better for me. You can't worship both God and money. Does that mean you can't be rich and go to heaven? Is it harder for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven? By the way, that has, re- that has since been translated into rope, that the word was not the word for camel. It was the word for rope, which is a metaphor that makes sense. Jesus tended to use metaphors that make sense, not camels and needles, which I might do. But that the idea that it will be hard means that you might have to pull a lot of threads off your rope your attachments to things that don't serve, and you'll get through the eye of the needle with the purest, clearest form of yourself. And all of us will. And all of us will. So does that mean you can't have money? No. It means don't attach to your money because your money does not at all in any way determine your worth or your value in this world or the world beyond. Have the money, fine. Attached to the money, you are looking for a world of hurt. That is the thorns, that is the weeds attached to what you feel you must have. And he goes on to say, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? What I want to say about this is this idea that, yeah, God is taking care of the birds, so God will take care of me. That's beautiful, and it's true in its way. 
But when I said before you have everything within you that you need, your own connection to God cultivated throughout your life makes provision for you. That's what makes provision for you. You don't have to go outside yourself even to some God up there. God gave you all you need right here in that connection to spirit. So can any one of you, by worrying, I had to add this because this is my deal, worrying add a single hour to your life? I can take a single hour away from my life if I'm worrying quickly, or a whole day if I'm worrying more slowly. And why? <laughs> why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers and the field grow. They don't labor, they don't spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Once again, you got your own back. You have all you need. I have all I need. It's hard for me to trust that because the world says that's not true. And we look around for people to have our back. And there are people who will have our back. But if we depend on them and attach to them and they go away, then what have we got left? It's only through your love affair with yourself that you will always live without love, with, with love, without being loveless or lovelorn. I believe that's what Jesus is saying here. Attach to the love and let everything else go. So don't worry. Saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? Where's my money coming from? How come I don't have a boyfriend yet? Your heavenly father knows what you need. Your spirit knows exactly what you need if you listen to it and feed it. And here's the thing. Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. And we talked about what the kingdom of heaven is, right? Seek that and everything else will fall into place. All the rest will be given to you as well. Everything else will fall into place because that is who you are. That is who we are. That is who I am. Thank you. So Kent, I'm going to ask that we do um, a verse of sanctuary to get into our meditation today. Because that's what it is. We're preparing. In the moments of silence, in the moments of being with ourselves. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving I'll be a Sanctuary for you. And so we speak in this moment to the Lord of our own hearts, not depending upon anyone outside of ourselves. Allow me to take this spirit, this connection, this divine spark in me, 
help me prepare the rest of myself to receive that, to receive that spark and make it into a shining sun. And we're having a hard time getting into that place with thanksgiving. You can't go wrong. So in this moment of being with yourself, you can tune out for me if you want to, but say hello to yourself. Hello. Hello, you. Hello, I. Hello, that part of me that's been here all along and that I have not paid near enough attention to. Hello, I'm cracked open and I'm ready. And I'm probably going to need some instruction on how to feed you and how much water you need. And that's okay because I know, I know that my self, that my higher self, that my divine spark that connects me to all of it, of what is, of the oneness of all, I know that that wisdom is available to me and I will know when I ask, when I seek, when I knock, I will know how to prepare myself as a sanctuary, a place of safety. For that spirit to thrive and grow in ways that I cannot necessarily even picture right now. And so as I prepare this sanctuary, I ask, help me to picture the beauty that is to come forth from me so that I may feed it and nurture it and clothe it as the lilies of the field. for longer than a minute or an hour or a day or a year or a decade we keep listening if you have ears to hear then you will hear and you can hear sanctuary, from this safe place that you make inside yourself, that I make inside myself, from this place of ultimate and complete safety, I understand that it's okay to let go of everything else. I can enjoy it. I can spend time with it. I can love it. I can see the beauty in it all the beauty in this world, all the people in this world. But the truth is, my place of safety is right here. It's not in anyone else and it's not anywhere else. So for this realization for this moment of realization that we can make into real life as we spend time and attention.
We give our grateful, grateful thanks. And we ask to know this place, to know it a little more every day. And if it takes manure to make it happen, we are ready. And so it is. Thank you, God.